Welcome to Bankless, where we explore the frontier of internet money and internet finance. But here today on Bankless, we are exploring some new frontiers. New frontiers in new technologies, all of which seem poised to completely revolutionize the world and change everything about the operating system that society is currently running. In fact, there are as many as five other technologies out there that are all accelerating in progress. And while each one of these new technologies are pioneering into their respective frontiers, they're also all beginning to converge with each other. And the intersections of these various frontiers are fertile grounds for massive disruption of the status quo. AI, longevity, synthetic biology, network states and coordinations, and zero-knowledge cryptography. Each of these are paradigm-changing technological frontiers, and each of these industries are in various stages of development and maturity. But, Bankless Nation, I'm here to tell you that each one of these frontier technologies is a tidal wave coming for society. The crypto wave hit society in 2021, now society is learning how to deal with this nascent but powerful technology. And society is in the middle of being hit with the AI wave now in 2023, and that wave only appears to be growing in size. The waves of synthetic biology, longevity, network states, zero-knowledge cryptography, and other technology frontiers are still to come. This was the main subject of a two-month-long experiment called Zuzalu. Bankless viewers who are watching the background of my podcast shift in the last two months will notice I was gone from my Brooklyn apartment for two months. I was in Montenegro, of all places, at this thing called Zuzalu. Zuzalu was an experiment in a temporary community. The idea here is that we have crypto conferences or conferences in general, which are between two and 20,000 people for anywhere between two days to a week. And then there are hacker houses, which are 20 people for even as long as one year. Suzalu was an experiment in a specific arena of both size of people, number of people and lengths of stay. So Suzalu was 200-ish people for two months of time. And then also about 600 more people that would come in for shorter term stays, like one to two weeks during specific themed weeks. Zuzalu is a brainchild of Vitalik Buterin, but it was really a holistic effort of many different individuals from across many different industries, and also individuals who were adept at community building itself. It was simultaneously a place for different frontier technologies to come together and discuss and collaborate and cross-pollinate, while also produce this experiment in what a temporary short-term community looks like something in the middle of a network state, a coordination, a digital nation that manifests physically in the world for two months at a time. So like I said, every single week at Zuzalo had a theme. Longevity week, synthetic biology week, new cities and network states, AI and crypto, public goods, zero knowledge cryptography, digital tribes and coordinations. The idea behind Zuzalo is that residents were staying there for the entire eight week period and us residents would watch Hundreds of visitors cycle through to have their week-long sets of talks, panels, and workshops, while the visitors of Zuzalu were able to present their respective work and industry to people across vastly different other industries. The benefits of this are huge because some of these technologies have never really had a meaningful meeting place before. For many of the industry leaders here, Zuzalu was the first opportunity for them to meet their fellow industry professionals, but not just other professionals inside their own industry, but founders, researchers, and builders across other industries who can bring unique perspectives and knowledge to the table in order to cross-pollinate, spread knowledge beyond internal walls, and optimize for serendipity by just including new people from new industries. And then the community aspect of this made this especially unique. Because having cross-industry conferences is one thing, but this was a cross-industry two-month-long community. 
We lived together. We ate breakfast together. We all became friends. And that level of cross-pollination is just so much deeper and lasting than what a three-day or week-long conference could even bring. So Bankless Nation, this was Zuzalu. And here's what you can expect from Zuzalu content. My first conversation that you're going to hear is this one with Vitalik Buterin, which we will get to in just a second. And then we'll talk about some of the philosophy and ideas and meaning and purpose behind Zuzalu. What it is, what he thinks it is, what it can be, what other people think it can be. Really the question of what is Zuzalu is embodied in the question itself. There is no answer. It's up to us. And eventually the idea is that Zuzalu spirals into a headless movement where maybe soon there is a Zuzalu near you. I recorded 18 different interviews at Zuzalu from all across the different industries that had representation there. These interviews range from 20 minutes to up to a full hour. These topics of conversations range from synthetic biology to AI to crypto in Africa to how to live forever to even conversations about Zuzalu itself like this one. Some of these are very much crypto conversations. A lot of these are only crypto conversations if you use your imagination. So to understand the significance of each of these episodes, I want to share my biggest takeaway that I got from Zuzalu. And that's this. Ethereum in crypto is the eldest sibling of a bunch of frontier technologies. It's alone in this room waiting for its fellow siblings to grow up. AI is actually recently of age. So now crypto and AI are starting to be able to play together. Decentralized science will help longevity and synthetic biology come into the fold. The episode with Boris and Mikey will help illustrate that. Digital nations have a lot of work to do, and my episode with Primavera de Filippi will show you that way. Network states and new cities, there is an immense new need for competitiveness and governance over our physical countries and cities. When we get a bunch of new cities in the world, where are they going to find financial and governance tools ready out of the box? Well, Ethereum, of course. And my conversation with Nicholas will guide you through this world. So while crypto is currently going toe-to-toe with the old world of securities law and nation-state regulation, it is simultaneously stuck waiting for its future use cases across other frontier technologies to grow up and mature. But the biggest takeaway that I got, Bankless Nation, is that as all of these other frontier technologies grow up, and yes, crypto is not the only frontier technology that's up there, they are going to need Ethereum. They are going to need open public permissionless blockchain rails. They are going to need secure block space. The rapidity and speed of innovation and progress in the crypto space matches some of the innovation and speed and progress and just paradigm shifting technologies being built elsewhere. The frontier technical nature of all of these industries will bring them together. So meanwhile, here Ethereum sits alone, fighting with its parents, the nation state is the regulators, the old world, while its younger tech siblings are still too nascent to give it support. But Bankless Nation, I guarantee you that day will eventually come where each one of these technologies will impact your life. Zuzalu was a taste of the future. Everyone and everything at Zuzalu felt like they got beamed in from 20 years in the future to show the rest of Zuzalians how the future will look from their vantage point. The longevity people tell us of an inevitable future in which the option to live forever is a choice that you can make. The network state people show us a future of fluid human migration and citizenship across the globe. Synthetic biology people tell us about a future in which we can grow buildings and vehicles and materials out of organic material, and that material can self-repair and self-propagate. Everyone at Zuzalu was a futurist. And I would also add that everyone had a resigned note of 
optimism. Resigned specifically though, as in everyone looks at the future and they see a paradigm shifting technology that could improve the human condition at a very deep level. And then they also see these seemingly impossible obstacles that get in our way. Governments, dystopia, malicious use of the technology. No one in Zuzalu was naive about the trials that each individual industry faces. In fact, one of the main purposes of Zuzalu was to collaborate on how to get over these obstacles together. But no one at Zuzalu was a quitter. All the researchers, builders, and founders at Zuzalu, if they were given the one true ring, they would all take it to Mordor or die trying. So we're going to release these conversations over the next few weeks and months on the podcast and the YouTube. So treat these conversations at Zuzalu as a sort of choose your own adventure. So this is an opportunity for you to speed date other frontier technologies beyond crypto because eventually all of these technologies will converge together on Ethereum. And that's what I see. Ethereum offers solutions, offers scaffolding, offers a place for other frontier technologies to collaborate and communicate and build upon. So this is why we're doing this. In every single episode of Bankless, we tell you this is how to get started, how to get better, and how to front run the opportunity. These Zuzalu conversations are how to get started with other frontier technologies, technologies that are on a collision course with society. If you listen to these conversations and understand their implications, you'll be ready. And you won't be surprised when these tidal waves of technological innovations start colliding with the world that we live in. If you want to learn more and just experience more at Zuzalu, in front of every single theme of an episode, whether it's an episode about network states or AI, I will give you the taste of Zuzalu during that week. What was it like? What was Zuzalu like during AI week? Because Zuzalu was different during AI week than when it was uh, synthetic biology week or network state week. Each community, each set of founders and builders and researchers kind of brought their own vibe. And also the community of Zuzalu also progressed and developed. So Zuzalu itself as a digital nation that manifested for two months is also part of this frontier technology. So if you are interested in explicitly learning more about Zuzalu, they will be contained in the intros to every single episode. So to kick off this Zuzalu content, we're gonna start with our conversation with Vitalik Buterin. But first I want to talk about these fantastic sponsors that make this show possible. Kraken Pro has easily become the best crypto trading platform in the industry. The place I use to check the charts and the crypto prices, even when I'm not looking to place a trade. On Kraken Pro, you'll have access to advanced charting tools, real-time market data, and lightning fast trade execution, all inside their spiffy new modular interface. Kraken's new customizable modular layout lets you tailor your trading experience to suit your needs. Pick and choose your favorite modules and place them anywhere you want in your screen. With Kraken Pro, you have that power. Whether you are a seasoned pro or just starting out, join thousands of traders who trust Kraken Pro for their crypto trading needs. Visit pro.kraken.com to get started today. You know Uniswap, it's the world's largest decentralized exchange with over $1.4 trillion in trading volume. You know this because we talk about it endlessly on Bankless. It's Uniswap, but Uniswap is becoming so much more. Uniswap Labs just released the Uniswap mobile wallet for iOS, the newest, easiest way to trade tokens on the go. With a Uniswap wallet, you can easily create or import a new wallet, buy crypto on any available exchange with your debit card with extremely low fiat on-ramp fees, and you can seamlessly swap on Mainnet, Polygon, Arbitrum, and Optimism. On the Uniswap mobile wallet, you can store and display your beautiful NFTs, and you can also explore Web3 with the in-app search features, market leaderboards, and price charts, or use Wallet Connect to connect to any Web3 application. So you can now go directly to DeFi with the Uniswap mobile wallet. Safe, simple custody from the most trusted team in DeFi. Download the Uniswap wallet today on iOS. There is a link in the show notes. 
MetaMask has something new. Introducing MetaMask Portfolio. MetaMask Portfolio is the best way to view your crypto portfolio from a holistic level. See everything across all the chains all at once. In your portfolio, MetaMask will report the aggregate value of all the assets in your MetaMask wallets and even the other wallets you import too. But MetaMask Portfolio isn't just a passive portfolio viewer. It is a place to do all of the money verbs that make DeFi so powerful. You can buy, swap, bridge, and stake your crypto assets. So not only only is MetaMask the easiest place to see your wallets in aggregate, but it's also a powerful battle station for all of your DeFi moves. So go check out your MetaMask portfolio because it's waiting for you to open it up. Check it out at portfolio.metamask.io. Arbitrum One is pioneering the world of secure Ethereum scalability and is continuing to accelerate the Web3 landscape. Hundreds of projects have already deployed on Arbitrum One, producing flourishing DeFi and NFT ecosystems. With the recent addition of Arbitrum Nova, gaming and social dApps like Reddit are also now calling Arbitrum home. Both Arbitrum One and Nova leverage the security and decentralization of Ethereum and provide a builder experience that's intuitive, familiar, and fully EVM compatible. On Arbitrum, both builders and users will experience faster transaction speeds with significantly lower gas fees. With Arbitrum's recent migration to Arbitrum Nitro, it's also now 10 times faster than before. Visit Arbitrum.io where you can join the community, dive into the developer docs, bridge your assets, and start building your first dApp. With Arbitrum, experience Web3 development the way it was meant to be. Secure, fast, cheap, and friction-free. Bankless Nation is the very final day of Zuzalu. As we speak, people are packing up their apartments, their hotel rooms, and getting in their planes to go home. And it's been a long two months. Um, Vitalik, we'll start this uh, interview at the end, uh, because uh, it is the end of this journey of trying to figure out what Zuzalu is. Um, do you feel like that you have come to uh, an answer as to what Zuzalu is? In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. Um, I think... Uh the yes part is basically like what this particular thing is. Um, like, it feels like we understand, you know, what it means to bring, you know, a few hundred people together for a few months from a couple of different communities and uh, try to create interaction between people, um, you know, help people learn about each other's interesting stuff that they're doing and uh, just see like what kind of a community comes out of that. Um, the thing that I think is still unclear is like sort of what lies in the future, I guess. Mm -hmm. hmm. When the original ideas of Zuzalo came to be, um, hmm. in, in your brain and hmm. in other people's uh, brains about what this could be, like, was there any original intent? Like, what was the main goals uh, before people actually arrived at this place hmm. that we now call Zuzalo? So I'd been uh, thinking about a lot of uh, ideas in this space for a while uh, before. So uh, last year I uh, read um, an Obology's book, The Network State, and I uh, wrote my uh, longest blog post ever. That was uh, a review of it that just ended up being insanely long. Mm -hmm. um, I uh, was, had also been thinking about like crypto cities in general, like more real world use cases of uh, little blockchains and uh, zero knowledge proofs. And so the blog post I wrote on CryptoCities two years ago is like one example of that. Um, but you know, we also had some uh, other ideas um, that were since then. Um, I uh, feel like I'd been interested in the to like topics of um, you know decentralized governance going beyond like what it means for blockchains um, and trying to apply some of those ideas to other contexts um, and just the uh, 
question of uh, like what are like I think I approached all of those issues from this uh, frame of like what would actually be concretely valuable for people in the real world um, and uh, at some point the idea came to be to basically yeah do an experiment and uh, try all of those things at the same time mm -hmm. um, so uh, the way that I think about the experiment is uh, like conferences have thousands of people and uh, they last for a week right and those already exist Hacker houses last for a very long time, but they only have up to 10 and 20 people. Well, what about something that has 200 people, so more than a hacker house, um, and lasts for two months, so more than a conference? And it has both of those at the same time. And basically, yeah, bring people together from a yeah, couple of different communities with um, you know, some medium level of organization, but realistically relying on people coming in to do most of the rest and uh, just like see what actually comes out of that right like basically instead of just the yeah, discussion about creating you know new network states or new societies or um towns or like any of these things being this kind of purely abstract thing where you have uh, you know blabbers counter blabbing each other is blabbing uh, we yeah like actually try this you know live thing and uh we'll just get a huge amount of uh you know, real world and data and, and understanding of like what that what it actually means in practice and go from there. You said uh, what comes out of that, that mm. being the, this space of 200 people for two months. Right. Well, what do you think something like Zuzalu or something like mm. Zuzalu, what mm. are your emergent characteristics that can come out of this landscape of size and time of 200-ish people for mm. two months of time? What's unique about that setup? Mm. I think the time duration is important because, uh, like, one week is a break from your life, two months is your life, right? And so just the kind of mentality that you have, it becomes totally different. And uh, the, yeah, like, the kinds of uh, things that you're willing to do become totally different. There's time to, like, actually make new connections and uh, actually start, like, doing things with people that you uh, did not just kind of know before and brought, and, uh, brought from outside. Um, it's also large enough, the number of people is large enough that it's big enough to hold like pretty big things with multiple sub-communities, right? Like, uh, you know, we had cryptography lectures that brought in 30 people. We had discussions about AI that brought in, um, you know, uh, like over 100 people. We had, uh, you know, some like various different health-related events like exercise, food, biotracking, everything. We, yeah, I mean, had, I mean, cooking of different types. I mean, um, you know, like what are, like Chinese karaoke is, um, you know, hiking trips. And like in a group of 10, you're not going to get those things, right? In a group of 10, you're going to have one of those things. And like, I think one of the differences between a yeah, city and a family is like a city has neighborhoods. And 200 is like big enough that it actually had neighborhoods, which was fascinating, right? So you actually got to see some... Interactions between communities um, got to kind of make some connections that did not exist before. Um, even uh, you know, make some progress on some Ethereum-related things. Um, you know, had a good chance to talk to various different privacy teams and scaling teams, and uh, you know, talk to people working on social recovery and people working on privacy at the same time. Um, so it's uh, like there's just a lot of uh, things that become possible and it's uh, 
interesting to see that like even at the scale they uh, like those kinds of things already become possible mm -hmm. mm. so you said that 200 people mm -hmm. are, are here at Zuzalu but mm -hmm. I think something like eight or nine hundred have actually come through Zuzalu yes. over the two months right uh, and in addition to the different like neighborhoods that you've called them mm -hmm. like you have the longevity people yeah. and the ZK people and the ethereum people there was and so like that has created yeah. some sort of emergent cross-pollination but there's also like from my experience in the last few months there seems to be even though it was just mm -hmm. two months seasons of right. Zuzalu seasons mm -hmm. that came and go mm -hmm. uh, because weeks had themes and mm -hmm. different people came to populate what was Zuzalu at a different time what do you think was the, the benefit or net product of, of this dynamic of Zuzalu 200 mm -hmm. people here at one given point but 800 people mm -hmm. over the, the, the eight weeks yeah. I mean, I think there were kind of two motivations there. One was just, uh, you know, if people only wanted to come and like, experience like a little bit because they did not have more time, then uh, like they would be able to come in. And then the concept of these you know, theme weeks or theme seasons was uh, basically sort of encouraged uh, so that people who only had a limited amount of time and were interested in uh, one topic area could uh, come in for like the exact time that their topic area was the big thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say yeah, like those aspects succeeded, but like th there's also aspects of that that probably yeah did not go over very well, right? Like one example of this was, uh, especially in the free cities and network states events, there was like definitely a large disparity that you could feel between like the kinds of uh, things that people coming in from the outside cared about and the, and the kinds of things that people at Zozolo cared about. And the tribes and, did not mesh? Yeah, there's, uh, like, I think uh, the, um, the tribes could have uh, meshed better if a lot more effort was put into it. And uh, I don't think people quite kind of understood going in what kind of effort was required. Another issue is that... Uh, like theme weeks are not actually good for learning right like in college there's a reason why courses are like in parallel and not in series right and mm -hmm. you know, like you know spaced repetition is uh, the best form of learning and uh, there's a good reason why it's uh, you know it just like we like our brains are just wired in such a way that we remember things much better if we yeah repeatedly get exposed to them over a longer period of time mm -hmm. and instead people just got this like crazy introduction to Synthetic biology, like big overload, and then no more synthetic biology. Then people got exposed to like a crazy overload of cryptography, and then no more cryptography. Like the word Nova got spoken like you know every minute for a week, and then like I haven't have, heard it since. Exactly, <laughs> right? So I think uh, like that was one of those uh, things that I think works less well. Like in some ways, I think the biggest successes of uh, Zuzalu might have even been the persistent themes, mm. like the development of Zubas, for example, right? Yeah. Like, uh, I think that was actually, yeah, like a really great um, kind of like technology sort of, you know, community fit there because uh, like for, uh, for Zupass, it was, oh, for Zuzalu, it was uh, an application that like got actually used to do some really cool stuff. And then for Zupass, it was a, yeah, you know, a community of real users that were actually you know, like able to give feedback on a whole bunch of different edge cases. Um, and like actually help um, you know, Zubass improve in a way that it would not be able to on its own. Mm -hmm. um, so, the like, I think if I were to like redo something like this, like I would try to focus more on persistent themes and even like having goals across those themes mm -hmm. rather than just uh, you know lots of things coming and going.
Mm. And for people who want to know what ZooPass is, ZooPass is kind of like, it's a passport. Um, yes. Except for Zuzalo, two month long yes. passport that works inside of this community. Right. Um, but it, it is now like infrastructure that future Zuzalus or mm -hmm. future other um, temporary communities can also mm -hmm. use. So yeah. it's a, it was like this top is this dynamic passport that mm -hmm. could change. Uh, but then also you could collect stamps. Um, right. So okay. So the interesting thing about it, I think, uh, just uh, you know, make it clear to viewers that this is not the same as a COVID vaccine card right, yeah. um, is uh, that uh, is the zero knowledge aspect, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, like here, if I can uh, take out my uh, zoo pass right now, um, I um, hold on, I have to switch over to my uh, other profile on graphene. Um, and then I uh, open up the yeah brow the Zuzul passports thing on my browser, and I get this right. right. It's a, mm -hmm. basically it's a QR code, and that QR code contains a yeah, zero knowledge proof, like just a, you know standard snark. I forget if it's Groth or Plunk or whatever, uh, which proves that I am a member of the set of Zuzulu residents without revealing which one I am. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, like, a bunch of interesting apps were built on this. So there was ZooPoll, which uh, basically had, like, polls where only Zuzulu residents could vote, but uh, the votes were anonymous. And only vote once. Yes, and only vote once. And then ZooCast, which was a, a Twitter where all the accounts were numbered accounts, and only if you were a Zuzulu resident, so you could only get one numbered account. Mm -hmm. uh, so, then, so, yeah, like, a lot of uh, really fun... Um, you know, online uh, stuff happens. I mean, they're used for just like physical gatekeeping for an events when capacity got limited as well. And then there's uh, stamps, which are the Zupas equivalents of popes. So like, I was a uh, cook for one of the community dinners, and I got a pope saying that I'm a cook. Um, and then. Uh, what else? Uh, You'll be getting one for being on the Bankless podcast here at Suzanne as well. Indeed, perfect. Um, yeah, there's like a, bu a bunch of, uh, you know, really uh, nice uh, po popes that uh, have been going around and, I've, and uh, I've only seen some of them. Um, <laughs> The next thing I, I was hoping to, mm. to ask about is there's all of these different mm. um, uh, fields of thought, fields of study mm. that, that mm. came to be at Suzalu. And yeah. interestingly, like, I wouldn't mm. really call this an Ethereum-focused mm. event. There mm -hmm. were many, many Ethereum people here. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, there were mm -hmm. synthetic biology people. Mm -hmm. There was longevity people, network state people, AI mm -hmm. people, um, public goods people, which mm -hmm. were very much um, yeah. Ethereum people, ZK people who were very much Ethereum people. Right. But I wouldn't really call it a, an Ethereum event. Hmm. Um, what kind of thought went into the selection process of like mm. what kind of topics mm -hmm. were going to be here at Zuzalu? Yeah, um, so I think there is definitely like an intentional motivation on my part to like have this also, you know, remind Ethereum people that there is a bigger role that they can be part of. Mm -hmm. um, and so I personally, like I knew some, some Ethereum and ZK people and I knew... Um, so, uh, like some longevity people and I knew some uh, you know free CD and network state people but then like lots of other topics just emerged organically on their own right mm -hmm. like uh, the AI group just kind of emerged by itself the whole um, even synthetic biology like I yeah, did not really appreciate synthetic biology as a field like I don't think I had even seen the, that, that combination of words together before and then people just came to me and they're like yo dog we like literally made a brick out of carbon dioxide and like we made a sweater out of carbon dioxide made by algae do you want one <laughs> and I'm like sure and uh, yeah so that was uh, really fun um, 
but I think uh, just kind of go back to the question of uh, selection. The I mean, this was obviously like a yeah, around one experiment, and like I think we all knew from the start that like everything would be very imperfect in a whole bunch of ways. Um, but the yeah, so there was uh, I think an intentional desire to just like say we'll pick a couple of different communities and we'll like pick some great people from those communities and uh, you know out out of those whoever is willing to come and actually stay for two months like you know great we'll um, and uh, we'll have them and see what happens. Um, so we yeah basically made followed this kind of approach of inviting the inviters like we yeah invited about ten people and then each of those started. Uh, forwarding the invitations um, along to some others and that kind of seated the initial community. Mm -hmm. hmm. So while I said there wasn't, this didn't really feel like an Ethereum event, mm -hmm. the undertones of this whole thing was very Ethereum. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The residents that stayed for two months were disproportionately like mm -hmm. crypto people. Um, and to, to say mm -hmm. that like first there was uh, Synthetic Biology Week and then there was Longevity Week and then it was mm -hmm. AI Week mm -hmm. kind of doesn't do the service of talking about all the cross-pollination that happened. Right. Um, can you talk about like the what happened from your experiences, the cross-pollination mm -hmm. and the value that came out of having all of these different communities kind of churn together? Mm -hmm. um, it felt like, I mean, there was definitely like a lot of love between Synthetic Biology and Ethereum people at the beginning. Um, like there was this uh, strong desire to see that there are aligned values between these between the communities, and uh, it's good to like it. I'm, I don't feel like anything substantive has quite come out of that yet, but like it could, right? Mm -hmm. I think the like one of the challenges is always like converting this kind of like vibe level alignment into substantive alignment, and. Uh, I think in a lot of cases, the answer there is just the, like the public goods funding aspect. Like there are a lot of tracks here where people talked about retro public goods funding, impact certificates, uh, you know, quadratic funding, you know, collusion resistant quadratic voting, like all of these public goods funding ideas. And a lot of those are relevant to like any branch of science, right? Um, so like I know Juan uh, Bennett from uh, IPFS and Filecoin, he's been for years like a very good bridge between the uh, crypto and science communities. And uh, yeah, so, but there's, um, you know, in, an increasingly growing uh, decentralized science community, which is, uh, you know, great. And uh, like hopefully more things come out of that. Um, there were some interesting connections that got made between some of the longevity people and some of the uh, city people. Um, the, yeah, yeah, it seems like there's, um, you know, this kind of growing friendship between like some Vita Dao people and uh, Prospera. And, uh, you know, I guess, uh, you know, we'll see whether or not there's, uh, you know, more bio stuff happening in Latin America soon. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. One experience I had uh, while all of these mm -hmm. different seasons kind of came and go was learning that every single one, mm -hmm. regardless of what, what mm -hmm. it was, uh, the longevity people, the network state people, the AI people, the ZK mm -hmm. people, they all, there's all a very like practical and understood way that that connects to Ethereum. Mm -hmm. Every single one has like, oh, this is mm -hmm. the way that these two industries could right. build together. Mm -hmm. And in this current moment in crypto, we are once again in a bear market, and mm -hmm. in bear markets, we tend to soul search. Mm -hmm. um, yet again, uh, our meme coins dominating the the Twitter zeitgeist of the, of the moment, which mm -hmm. has left a lot of the long term believers once again frustrated that this is what this industry is, at least at the cursory level, mm -hmm. the, the the top down level. Um, mm -hmm. And so, what I'm the reflection, the learning moment mm -hmm. that I've had. I'm wondering if you have felt anything similar. Is that Ethereum seems to be, and crypto at large, I think, is like 
the eldest of a bunch of frontier technologies mm-hmm. that has grown up first. Mm-hmm. Um, AI, I think, is now also coming of age. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we talk about like network states, where are all of these new charter cities or new network states or new coordinations? Where are they going to get their Wall Street? Where are they going to get their financial infrastructure? Right. Uh, it's going to be crypto. Right. Um, uh, decentralized science. Mm-hmm. Like Ethereum offers a foundation for this industry. Same mm-hmm. thing with synthetic bi- biology and, and all of these mm-hmm. emergent new technologies. They all seem to be a very good hook into Ethereum. Mm-hmm. And so my uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I've had from Zuzalu, for me personally, is just like Ethereum and crypto at large seems to be the eldest of mm-hmm. many siblings, sibling mm-hmm. Technologies, yeah, and it's just looking around, waiting for all the other ones to grow up. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm wondering if you have any reflections on that conclusion. Mm. Yeah, no, I think there's definitely something to that, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's uh, like it's important to remember that I think like Ethereum and crypto, like they're always this uh, combination of a uh, technological movement and a cultural movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, they like it's also the yeah, kind of you know, the ideological continuation of the cypherpunk movement. It's, uh, I mean, like, Balaji likes talking about, you know, the uh, the international, mo- and, uh, the decentralized movement as a successor to the non-aligned movement. Mm. Um, you know, the, just, like, open-source software as a, as a concept. Like, mm-hmm. people from those uh, communities often, uh, like, also find their way into crypto. The, yeah, there's, so, there's, like, this set of uh kind of like ideological things that it's uh also inevitably ends up being beside mm-hmm. and i think uh you know like to have uh, a yeah you know successful collaboration like i think you need like that idea level alignment and like that mm-hmm. practical level alignment to exist at the same time mm-hmm. and i think uh, like a lot of the time it's like or there's definitely a lot of cases where like you have one and not the other or you have the other and not the first uh, but trying to like, find those uh, opportunities where both exist is uh, like, really important and really valuable when it succeeds mm-hmm. hmm. so Zalu, i would kind of bisect between hmm. there's the 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 knowledge side of of Zuzalu there's like yeah. the tracks that we've been mm-hmm. talking about but then also like Zuzalu like you said 2 mm-hmm. months is your life mm-hmm. uh, and so like there's a social life mm-hmm. side of things yeah. uh, and so i'm wondering what what do you think f- for you personally everyone got to experience Zuzalu their life as Zuzalu how Zuzalu would change their life for their own because it was a choose your own adventure for what you wanted mm-hmm. to make out of Zuzalu mm-hmm. uh, how did the social milieu and what Zuzalu is how did that uh, what did you really get out of that personally huh and it's hard for me to compare because this is like literally the first time I've been with uh, a uh, large group of people for an extended duration, basically since university, mm-hmm. right? Like I've um, you know been nomading for um, literally uh, I think ten years minus ten days now, mm-hmm. and uh, like pre-COVID, averaging you know fifty-five flights a year. Post-COVID, a bit less, but still a bunch. Um, and like even during uh, COVID, like I was uh, you know stuck in one place for longer periods of time, but I was not really with people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it's like different and nice, and it's uh, kind of hard to compare to other things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think uh, like the like the value that I think like a lot of people got is like just having this like very high density of value aligned people around them and this uh, perception that like they can just you know go out on the street and uh, like if they bump into someone there's a high probability that that person is interesting mm-hmm. uh, to them 
Yeah. So that's uh, something that like you people generally do not get in other places, and it's like the sort of thing that's missing in a lot of online communities. Like I remember my own experience starting as a Bitcoin magazine person, right? And uh, like I was just basically participating from uh, kind of from the sidelines. I felt because I was uh, I was just writing Bitcoin magazine from the internet, and uh, then I went to Bitcoin Miami in 2013, and that's when I like, realized like just like how big the community is and how much like it's an actual community that's like really actually capable of doing all of those things, mm-hmm. and uh, like that really impressed me and and uh, gave me a lot of motivation. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like I think that's something that's always important for like, th- those uh, kinds of like internet spa- heavy spaces in general to have. Hmm. What were you able to achieve at Zuzalu that you wouldn't have been able to achieve without it? I mean, I had a desire to understand the experience, and uh, like I feel like I have like a lot more understanding than before. Though it's uh, like it's understanding that's hard to compress into a few words. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I yeah, you know, I hoped to learn to learn some more about cryptography, and uh, you know, to some uh, to some extent, I have like I yeah, you know understood how to use uh, how to like actually use recursive uh, Sonarchs better than before and I like I feel like I understand Nova better than before but it's, uh, so you know some amount of progress mm-hmm. um, though I feel like uh, you know if it were more structured it probably uh, could have been better for me but also mm-hmm. like there's just lots of people that were like bugging me with requests the whole time so like there's definitely just is like, that anything new though uh, yeah, it is not. I mean, <laughs> to be fair, for the first month, there was like there was much less of that, and like I felt so happy. Mm. Mm. Yeah, like uh, just being able to uh, like go out and know that like if someone walks up to me, the interaction will be pleasant and won't be a selfie request. Mm-hmm. Like that's special. Right. Um, yeah, and that's. Uh, but you know, then uh, the second month of that act of like this definitely like started having more outside visitors and started to just like having more people here who are coming just because uh, you know it's not the tourist season is starting and it's like nothing to do with Zuzalu and like it sort of normalized a little bit mm-hmm. and so yeah I'm uh, you know looking forward to disappearing a bit again mm-hmm. hmm. okay uh, many people are getting on flights today and tomorrow and are largely going to be out of Zuzalu mm-hmm. Uh, what are you going to miss the most about Suzulu? Uh, I mean, all all of the friends I've made, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. So Zuzalu is coming to an end, mm-hmm. um, but there's this desire for everyone to see more mm-hmm. of it. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have any aspirations or ideas about what Zuzalu could become? Um, what what could Zuzalu be in its maxly manifested sta- uh, state? Mm-hmm. I think it depends on what the goal is. Like I think. Uh, Zuzalu, as it was this year, is like this uh, like convergence point in that for a lot of like possible journeys, it's the yeah, f- it's this kind of first ex- experimental step that makes sense as a yeah, as a first step on uh, one of many different paths. But as each of those paths go forward, they yeah, diverge in some different ways, mm-hmm. right? So. Uh, like one example of this is uh, if you want to build a yeah, longevity-focused network state where people do frontier bio research, then like you need infrastructure, and that infrastructure realistically needs to be in one place. And like even if infrastructure was not a problem, um, you'd still need to be in one place because it's hard enough to convince one country to adopt favorable regulations when. Uh, 
and so like you know getting a convincing a new country every 60 days is just totally unrealistic mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and but other people on the other hand like actually want a yeah, digital nomad village right other people want a yeah, similar experience but for a different set of communities or with uh, a yeah, somewhat different focus, right? Mm -hmm. Like, uh, there's just lots of spins of this that make a lot of sense, right? Like, one, there's even people in Montenegro that want a yeah, longer-term crypto city, right? Like, one, one path is toward, you know, building some longer-term settlements with a particular goal. One possible path is toward doing these, uh, you know, intensive boot camps with the goal of building something, right? So uh, we talked about Zupass and, uh, um, you know, how this kind of served as, uh, you know, the boot camp for basically incubating Zupass. Mm -hmm. And then the question is, uh, well, you know, what are other things that this could serve as a boot camp for? Like, mm -hmm. I don't know, secure operating systems, um, secure uh, smart contract wallets, decentralized social media, like... Uh, I don't know, right? There, and then, like, that's all in the yeah, uh, kind of, you know, the world of bits, uh, sort of tech land. There's, uh, I'm sure, equally many examples, um, you know, in the yeah, longevity and biospace, uh, for example, or even just in terms of, like, cultural experimentation. Mm -hmm. um, so, depending on, like, what the, what the goal is, there's, uh, the, like, different paths that you could take. And I think, uh, like, my ideal goal is to find a way for all of the paths to be taken. And that, uh, you know, my, uh, like, m might mean that, like, you know, the, the name Zuzalo is, like, not going to represent, like, any particular one of those paths, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's, uh, yeah, like, there's still this uh, challenge of, uh, you know, what is the role of, like, you know, the core team? Like, does the core team split? Like, you know, do people take on different responsibilities? Like, what is, uh, like... You know, like what kind of actually makes sense as uh, an organization of this kind of ecosystem, especially as uh, you know we have all of these different visions that then start going in different directions from here. Hmm. What do you want your role to be as Zuzulu develops into into something bigger? I mean, I hope that it doesn't depend on me, right? Because I think, uh, I mean, anything that depends on me is uh, not going to scale. And uh, even before it fails to scale, it'll probably make me, uh, you know, go crazy from multiple interview requests every day. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Hmm. So, um, like I said, we're at the last day of Zuzalu. Mm -hmm. uh, people are packing up their bags. But yesterday we had a, a community moment of reflection mm -hmm. and we all tried to come together to come to consensus about what are the values of Zuzalu? What does it mean to be a Zuzalian? Um, so I'm wondering what, what your perspective is on that question. What does it mean to be a Zuzalian? Maybe it's not my place to answer the question yet. Mm -hmm. hmm. How do you think that answer should come, arrive, uh, come about? I want, I, I'd love to see like, lots of other people writing about what their, their, what their answer is. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like this isn't even modesty on my part. This is like actual curiosity. Like I, you know, I'd lo like I'm looking forward to actually reading and uh, you know seeing like what other people see as uh, like this as being and like what kind of future they see it as driving towards. And, and I think there's going to be a lot of uh, you know really valuable information in those answers too. Mm -hmm. Well, Vitalik, thank you for being trusting enough of humanity to be able to cast off all of these things into the hands of humans that can do a variety of things to whatever uh, is thrown their way. So I appreciate yeah. it. 
And uh, thank you, David, for um, you know continuing to steward the uh, Bangladesh nation. You know, this is uh, this is the West. This is the uh, frontier. <laughs> this is the absolute unknown. And uh, you could lose all of your assets and all of your sanity. But mm -hmm. uh, you know, for those of us uh, who have been here, it's uh, it is, and uh, I expect will continue to be a wonderful journey. So thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Introducing ETHX from Stator. ETHX is a liquid staking token designed to maximize rewards all while securing Ethereum. With Stator, you can run an Ethereum node with just 4 ETH, which is 85% lower capital and 35% higher rewards versus solo staking. Stator has a multi-pool architecture with permissionless and permission node operators to enable decentralization and scalability. Stator has extensive experience in building liquid staking protocols on six proof-of-stake blockchains and is trusted by over 70,000 stakers. Stator has partnered with over 40 leading protocols to bring DeFi utility to their liquid staking tokens. Stator is actively building integrations across the Ethereum ecosystem to bring the same great DeFi utility to the EtherX token, with a million dollars of SD token rewards in DeFi for ETHX users. All of Stator's smart contracts are audited by at least two independent cybersecurity auditors and have multi-million dollar bug bounties currently live. So go to statorlabs.com ETH to sign up and get access to the Stator staking protocol. Mantle, formerly known as as BitDAO is the first DAO-led Web3 ecosystem, all built on top of Mantle's first core product, the Mantle Network, a brand new high-performance Ethereum Layer 2 built using the OP stack, but uses EigenLayer's data availability solution instead of the expensive Ethereum Layer 1. Not only does this reduce Mantle Network's gas fees by 80%, but it also reduces gas fee volatility, providing a more stable foundation for Mantle's applications. The Mantle Treasury is one of the biggest DAO-owned treasuries, which is seeding an ecosystem of projects from all around the Web3 space for Mantle. Mantle already has sub-communities from around Web3 onboarded, like Game7 for Web3 Gaming and Bybit for TVL and Liquidity and OnRamps. So if you want to build on the Mantle network, Mantle is offering a grants program that provides milestone-based funding to promising projects that help expand, secure, and decentralize Mantle. If you want to get started working with the first DAO-led Layer 2 ecosystem, check out Mantle at mantle.xyz and follow them on Twitter at 0xMantle. Hiring people worldwide, paying them in crypto, providing them access to benefits, it all so complex. But it doesn't have to be. Complying with labor laws, payroll rules, tax obligations, and crypto regulations in every country that you employ someone is difficult, time-consuming, manual, and costly. And it's drawing more and more attention from regulators and governments. But there is good news. Toku is here. Toku is the first employment and compensation platform for the crypto industry that makes this easy. Toku helps you hire employees or contractors and pay them in fiat or crypto legally, compliantly, and with all the taxes handled in over a hundred different jurisdictions. So whether you're an early stage company with just a team of two, or you're an enterprise with 200, Toku has a solution that meets your needs. Toku is already working with the leading companies in the space, Protocol Labs, Hedera, Gitcoin, and many more. So transform your employment and token payroll operations with Toku. You can reach out to Toku at toku.com bankless, or click the link in the show notes. If you haven't experienced the superpowers that a smart contract wallet gives you, check out Ambire. Ambire works with all the EVM chains that are out there, the layer twos like Arbitrum, Optimism, and Polygon, but also the non-Ethereum chains like Avalanche and Phantom. Because of the power of smart contract wallets, Ambire lets you pay for gas in stable coins, meaning you'll never have to spend your precious ETH again. The web app has numerous fiat on-ramps to make it easy to dump your fiat for crypto. And if you like self-custody, but you still want training wheels, you can recover a lost Ambire wallet using an email 
one password, but without giving the Ambire team any control over your funds. Check it out at ambire.com for the web app experience. But also, the Ambire mobile wallet is coming soon for both iOS and Android. And if you want to be a beta tester, you can sign up at ambire.com app. And since you stayed to the very end of this ad read, you should know that Ambire is airdropping its wallet token to early users for simply just using the wallet. So if you want to get started with Ambire, all the links that you need are in the show notes.